player faces his former team for the first time, there's usually some sort of storyline, some sort of animosity from the player to the former club. And usually when that happens, that said player will go ahead and have one hell of a performance. If you know Pierre-Edouard Belmar as well as most of us do, you know he probably doesn't have a bad bone in his entire body. But I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt that there is no reason to believe that he did not come want to come out of this game motivated. And my God, he did tonight. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is going out extremely late, and I, I know I had mentioned earlier, uh, I believe it was, what, Thursday, that we were going to have this episode come late on Friday, but this will be the episode that carries us into Friday night, into Saturday all day, and then to Sunday, where they will take on the Anaheim Ducks. But oh, mother of Jesus Christ, that was, whew. oh, good God. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And you know, I'll tell you what, if this is the first time uh, you stumbled upon this podcast, you're in for a real doozy because th- th- this game, oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm like Gerard Gallant. I cannot find the words to describe what in the world just happened when the Vegas Golden Knights lost to the Colorado Avalanche 6-1 to tonight. But before we get to that, uh, usual housekeeping items out of the way. Uh, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Any of it is uh, well appreciated, good, bad, or indifferent, whichever the case may be. If you have any comments toward this podcast, all of it is directed into making this podcast better and directed to making me a better podcaster and a better host. So any suggestions, feedback you have, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, feel free to leave that in a review if you are on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And you can send us an email, LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So where, oh where, do we begin with this one? The Golden Knights coming in off a successful 2-1-0 road trip. Successful by any measure. The fact that they were able to squeeze out two wins with Marc-Andre Fleury literally literally playing for his life it seemed like comes come back for a uh the start of a four-game homestand for the golden knights and oh boy i i mean let's get this out of the way the colorado avalanche are the colorado avalanche they are good for a reason they are eight one and one to start this season for a reason they invested a lot of money into their middle six to their bottom six for a reason because that was the one thing that was holding Colorado back from being in the Western Conference Final last year. Albeit they took care of Calgary in five games and they were one win away from ousting San Jose in the second round. If they had more depth in that round, they would have beaten San Jose. They addressed that. They have fortified that bottom six. And holy hell, that bottom six came to play today. A six to one victory for the Colorado Avalanche over the Vegas Golden Knights, and man, it was ugly. It, it was extremely, extremely ugly. And you know, I, I mentioned at the top when you are a former player going against your former team for the first time, and this is really the first time Pierre Edouard Belmar faced 
the Golden Knights after they picked him up in the expansion draft in 2017 from the Flyers. And I could go into great detail about how wonderful of a human being Pierre-Edouard Belmar is. I can go into detail about how great of a locker room voice he was. I could go into detail about how literally I could ask him any question and he would write my story for me because he would give me three paragraph answers. Every answer it was spectacular. I don't think I've, I've probably come across maybe, I want to say two or three great hockey minds since I started covering the team. Uh, that would, that being Max Pacioretty, Paul Stasny and uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. But Belmar is one of the more Great people in this league. Very happy for him that he got his money. Very happy that he got a contract to take care of his family. It was well deserved. And after the game, I asked him, or I think a couple. Of, I, well, I'm pretty sure I got into the scrum a little bit late, but I did ask him. You know, revenge game was on your mind, right? And and of course, he didn't think about revenge. You know, it it wasn't. It wasn't a bad blood situation. Belmar just felt like he could get more money elsewhere. And given the Golden Knights cap situation, that's what happened. So he went to Colorado, a team that's on the rise and a team that can contend for a Stanley Cup this year. And it took all but 28 seconds for the Golden Knights to go, man, we probably should have kept him. Because Pierre-Edouard Belmar, in his first game... Back at T-Mobile Arena, his first, his really his first game. Think about this for a second. This was the first time pierre Edward Belmar stepped on the ice at T-Mobile Arena since game six against San Jose, when he got so badly injured, we had a brace on his leg uh, afterwards. He had a brace on his leg. He got hurt so bad he did not even play in game seven. So pierre Edward Belmar steps onto the ice for the very first time since... Game six against San Jose. And what does he do 28 seconds in? He steals a pass for Mark Stone, of all people, walks in on Marc-Andre Fleury, and roofs it. 28 seconds in, Belmar scores his third goal of the season, and it's Colorado one to nothing. And it was a first period that Colorado absolutely dominated. 15 to six, I believe, were the shots in the first period. Uh, yes, it was 15 to six Colorado dominating in the shot department. Really Vegas couldn't get anything going in the neutral zone. It was just, they clogged it up all game. Uh, they seemed to finally break through at 1830 of the first when William Carlson finally scored a goal on a goalie for the first time this year, his second of the year, uh, Riley Smith with the assist and they tied at one, one, but 43 seconds later, one of those major upgrades that Colorado made Nazem Kadri scores the first of two goals at 19-13 of the first, and all of a sudden, all the momentum goes out the window, Colorado up 2-1 to one at the end of the first period. And during the intermission report for the Golden Knights, uh, Stormy Bonatani was interviewing uh, Riley Smith, and Riley Smith said, and I quote, it was the worst first period, it was, well, not maybe not with the worst first period, it was the worst period we played all season. Well, apparently the Golden Knights decided, hey, Riley, we see your first, your uh, worst first period and we'll raise you a worse second period. The Avalanche score three goals in the span of seven minutes and 55 seconds. Cal McCarr scores his first NHL regular season goal. You'll remember he scored in the playoffs when he made his debut with Colorado to go up 3-1 at 7.55. 
10-11 of the second, Kadri again to make it 4-1. Matt Calvert scored at 15-50 to make it 5-1. And then Matt Calvert scored his second of the game at 17-58 to make it 6-1. And that would be your final score. Pierre-Edouard Belmar finishes with his very first three-point game in the NHL. Of course, it was against the Golden Knights because why wouldn't it be? Uh, Kadri and Calvert both score twice, uh, and Nathan McKinnon with two assists to give him a 10-game point streak to start the season. Now, quick a quick addendum from uh, yesterday's podcast where I mentioned that he could be the fifth player in NHL history to start the season with a 10-game point streak. There was apparently some miscommunication between the league and the stats guy that was relaying that to me, um, but apparently... Uh, that that is not the case. The stat would have originally been McKinnon starts consecutive seasons with a 10-game point streak. However, last year it was a nine-game point streak, so this is all completely new to him. He is the first player, though, in Avalanche history to start a season with a 10-game point streak, and he is the fifth, I want to say the fifth player in Avalanche slash Quebec Nordiques history to start the season with a 10-game point streak. So, I mean, good God, I I can go on and on about how great the Avalanche were because they were absolutely terrific. They ran the Golden Knights out of their own house for a full 60 minutes. Marc-Andre Fleury allows four goals on 26 shots, gets pulled for the very first time this year. I mean, you can't blame Fleury for a lot of those. He was making some unbelievable saves in the first period. There was a set where he was making three consecutive saves in the first period, where I think he stopped the initial shot from the point, the rebound got in front of him, he made that save, and then Landis Gog came in right in front of him, and he just made an unbelievable save to keep the game one nothing. And you cannot fault him for this one. And much like you can't fault him for any game, the Golden Knights were just outplayed by a team that right now is 10 times better than them. Garrett Sparks saw his first action as a Golden Knights goaltender, he was recalled from AHL Chicago on Wednesday. Uh, Sparks saw 14 shots, made 12 saves, uh, and, I mean, the goals he allowed were not pretty. And there was one instance where there was an open net for like 10 seconds where he should have gotten over, but he never did. Fortunately, Golden Knights blocked that one, but rough Rough game for the Golden Knights. Obviously, the only points came from Smith and Carlson, but, I mean, you look at the plus-minus, and I know plus-minus is not the best stat to go off of, but when you see these numbers, Pacioretty minus 3, England minus 2, Stasny minus 2, Theodore, Carrier, Bischoff, Reeves, Nosek, all the minus 2. I mean, how in the world do you even... How in the world do you even fathom from that? The Golden Knights were outshot 40-26 to at one point, or by the time the end, the second period ended, they were outshot 34 to 15. I would have to go back and look, but I have, don't think the Golden Knights have ever been outshot that badly through two periods. I would have to go back and look and see, but man, that was absolutely rough. Um, but obviously, with my duties with NHL.com, usually if the Golden Knights don't win, I end up going into the visitors' locker room. And obviously, a lot of the other Golden Knights media was in the visitors' locker room wanting to talk to Pierre-Edouard Belmar. And obviously, the man has not changed since he left Vegas. He's still one of the nicest guys I've ever come across. Uh, answered every question. He, I think he stayed for another five extra five minutes 
uh, just to answer questions from us. And he was so gracious to talk to us. And after the game, obviously all good words and all positive words to say about the Golden Knights organization after his team, his new team, ran his old team out of the gym. You were totally thinking of a revenge game tonight, weren't you? Uh, no. <laughs> if there's one thing you guys know is that that's not in my head. Oh, I know. So, no, I was just all along excited to, to see the people. And, I mean, I've had two good years, and I have no bad words about the organization. So, uh, so it's literally, it's, it's not a goodbye. It's, you know, it was just like, that was just the way it was, and, and I have nothing negative to say. How did it feel going into this locker room? instead of the other one. In the be- oh, here? Yeah. It was really weird because I've never been in this <laughs> room, so I felt like, the heck, where do I change? Where were the showers? Where is the, the, the toilet? So it, it felt really weird because everybody knows this place, but I didn't know this place. <laughs> so we are coming up on, I wouldn't say uncharted territory because the Golden Knights were in this position last year. I mean, I, I know we're talking like the sky is falling with the Golden Knights now at 7-5, and five. But we tend to forget that they were 8-11-1 with Nate Schmidt out for those 20 games that he was suspended for last season. Now, contrary to popular belief, I would tend to believe that this Golden Knights team is better. And if you believe that the sky is falling because this team should be better and this team should be more well-equipped to handle these top-tier challenges, I have no problems with that. But we do have to temper the expectations just a bit knowing the team is not fully at 100%. Having said that, this is not looking good for the Golden Knights, at, at least right now. That I, I talked about this, I believe, last week. We're getting to the point where you're starting to see trends. Even though it's still early in the season, they've only played 12 games. You're getting to the point of the season where you're starting to see trends. You're starting to see signs that would worry you a little bit if you're the Golden Knights. Let, let's just go through the last few games and just kind of go from there. Okay, we'll start with the Pittsburgh game. Their only goal outside of the two empty netters was a power play goal. Let's go against the Flyers. Their only two goals in the 6-2 loss were a shorthanded goal and a goal on a 5-on-3. And then the Blackhawks, the only goal in regular, the only goal they scored, really, because they even though they won two to one, it was a shootout. The only goal they scored was with the extra attacker, and it was from Nick Holden. You count that up. That is zero goals at five on five until tonight. It was the first goal they scored at five on five. In the last, I want to say, four games. I think even even if we can go back to the Ottawa game. Uh, no, it, the Riley Smith goal was it, at 5-on-5. Five five. So even if we go back to the Ottawa game, two times in five games, Vegas has scored a goal at 5-on-5. Five five. And the goals have come from the Carlson line. The Stasny line is struggling to get goals on the board. The Carlson line is the only one doing business, and we have now seen how vital Marc-Andre Fleury is to this team. Calgary, they pretty much did well in that whole game. 
L.A., you've, we, t- we tend to forget they scored, what, three of their goals on the power play, maybe four. I'd probably have to go back and look. But the five-on-five five has been a struggle. And if the Stasny line can't get it going and the Carlson line is the only one that's generating those goals and they're not even generating a lot of goals, they're, they're generating a lot of chances on goal, but they're not generating the actual results. This is a problem. And the fact that we are now, they have given up six goals twice in three games. That, that is not this team. And, and again, I want, I, I really need to, before I start dissecting just how bad it's been, I need to remember their top defenseman is out. Their 50-point scorer from a year ago, who is, what, 22, 23 years old, who would make an instant help on this team, is also hurt. They're supposed to be returning to practice sometime soon, so thank the Lord, maybe something good will come out of it. But I, I just, you, you wonder, what in the world can this team fix? The goaltending's not the issue. Marc-Andre Fleury has been the best goaltender in the league to this point, with maybe the exception of Carter Hutton, and with the exception of maybe John Gibson, and you know, you look at all the other goalies that are putting up crazy numbers right now. But right now, Mark Andre Fleury is one of, if not the best goaltender in the league at this moment. So it's not him. The top six isn't scoring. The bottom six has been abysmal. William Carrier is being wasted on the fourth line. I I feel like that tonight should have been the perfect chance to move Carrier up to the third line and put Brandon Peary on the fourth line. And nothing happened. Peary was quiet again. The third line has not gotten going. Cody Glass is not benefiting from being on the line with Eakin and Peary. The Carlson line is generating chances, but they're not scoring. The Stasny line has not scored a five-on-five goal in probably 35 years. And the defensemen, holy cow, Merrill and Holden are starting to fall apart. Uh, McNabb and Theodore. McNabb's taking a penalty per game. Theodore is not generating enough offense from the defensive zone where he should be able to pretty much generate anything the minute he enters the neutral zone. He's not doing that. Bischoff and Englund are meh. They're not really doing anything noteworthy. Bischoff has been okay, but he's not getting anywhere by being with Derek Englund. It's a concerted collective effort where when you look up and down the board, it's bad. But again, I have to tell myself, they're still missing two of their top players. And maybe that's what they need. Maybe they do need Nate Schmidt back. Maybe maybe it's just like last year where they go 8-11-1 and I want to say Vegas went... God, I can't even remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I remember it was like the next 15 or 20 games I think Vegas was... I think Vegas had like 34 points out of like their next, what, 20 games after Schmidt came back. So maybe it all it takes is Nate Schmidt coming back. Maybe all it takes is Alex Tuck driving the forecheck on that third line and getting something going. Maybe that's what gets Glass going. Maybe that's what gets Eakin going. But at this point, I mean, you look at the teams that they've beaten this year. San Jose twice, they're still not where they need to be, and they lost to Toronto tonight. 
They lost to Boston. At 4-3, should have been a lot worse. They lose to Arizona when they lose Subban. They beat the Flames. They beat the Kings. Great. But then they come back and lose 5-2 to Nashville and look completely outplayed against one of the top teams in the Central. And then for the better part of 55 minutes, the Penguins should have beaten the Golden Knights had it not been for Flurry. The Flyers, again, a team that's not there where they should be, but you throw in a, your third goaltender, Oscar Danskin, there, and he gets absolutely shredded. And then the Blackhawks game, if not Flurry making at least seven or eight magnificent saves, that game's probably 5 1. And Gerard Gallant even said it tonight the game should have been 5 1 after the first period. I mean, the fact that Flurry had to dive, do dolphin dives all over the frickin' ice just to make those saves, the game should have been a lot worse than 6 to 1. It really should have. I mean, if not for Flurry, this game could have been like 8 1, 9 1. That's just the reality of it. So, how does Vegas fix this? I, I mean, it's, it would be easier just to say plug Schmidt and tuck back in, and everything will be fixed. It would be easier to say take England out, put Haig in, get Nicholas Waugh a chance to play some minutes, see what he can do, you know, just do something. I think that probably is it. Do something different. Because right now the, the current theme is not working. But I will say this. Marc-Andre Fleury better win the goddamn Vesna this year. <laughs> I mean, if he, can fi- if he can string a hell of a record and a good GAA, this might be the year he wins the Vesna. Because if the Golden Knights, the Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs. We're still early. They're going to figure it out at some point. And maybe it does need to come back to the fact that they need to get healthy. But they need to figure something out. I am of the mindset that this is not a situation Gerard Gallant wants to be in. I mean, the fact that he's been so pissed the last week going on week and a half now, knowing that his team could be a lot better of a situation than seven and five. This is really the first time I guess we're really seeing adversity from this team. We're seeing really the, I guess you couldn't even call it adversity against when Schmidt got suspended last year because you knew that was coming and you knew once he got back in, things were going to be fine. This is the first time where I think you look at this team and you go, wake up, wake up. They got to try something different. They've got to do something that's going to light a spark. And somebody has got to step up and provide that spark. Even though Mark Stone was on a seven game point streak, he he really wasn't the benefactor for the reason why Vegas won these games. Yeah, he had a point in seven straight games, but he wasn't really asserting himself to be the superstar player that the Golden Knights trade for. And you saw Belmar's goal 28 seconds in. That was off a turnover of Mark Stone. That's a rare turnover from Stone. That line got destroyed by Colorado's fourth line. Think about that for a second. Colorado's fourth line went up against Vegas's top line to start the game. And from the moment that puck was dropped, they were all over Vegas. They were all over that line. And when you see Stone making a turnover like that, leading to a Belmar goal like that, 
that's when you know things are bad. That's when you know things need to kind of come together and somebody's got to have a come to Jesus meeting in that locker room. And again, everything might be fixed when those two come back and they probably will. And again, we're probably all overreacting because we know where the weaknesses lie right now. And the weaknesses lie in the third line, not even getting a scoring opportunity. We have Brandon Peary, who looks like a lifeless corpse at this point. It's kind of redundant, but he looks like a corpse out there. The fourth line isn't generating anything. The top lines have not been able to score, and something's got to give. And I would not be shocked if Vegas decided, if Gerard Gallant decided, to change the lines for Sunday's game. Now, Sunday's game is going to be a very big one for Vegas for two reasons. One, it's a divisional game against the Ducks. Two, the Ducks are coming in on a back-to-back where they're going to be at Colorado on Saturday. So more than likely, John Gibson is going to play the game on Sunday. He's probably not going to play against Colorado. And then you've got a division game, another division game where you can get a needed two points. You've been doing very well against the Pacific Division this year. So so what what are they, four and one right now? So far, you're doing well against your division, which is kind of what you need to do. So that's a big game from that standpoint. And then after the Anaheim game, they have three days off to rest up for Montreal and then another few days up to rest for Winnipeg before they hit the road for the East Coast. You've got to win this game against Anaheim. Because if you lose back-to-back home games, and especially to a team that Anaheim is off to a very hot start, and we're going to talk a lot about Anaheim. Uh, we probably won't get, we probably won't touch on Anaheim as much today. Um, but it is a big game. And if you lose back-to-back home games, think about this for a second. The Golden Knights are 3-3 three and three at home. What was once considered the most dangerous home ice advantage in the entire National Hockey League, Vegas is out of the gates at 3-3 three and three at home. If they lose to Anaheim, they could go below 500 at home. That part is what would worry me if I'm the Golden Knights. You have the best environment in the league. You have players wanting to come to Vegas, wanting to play for Vegas because of that environment, because of the atmosphere, because of the community. And you're about to, you could possibly drop to below 500 at home. Something that didn't, I don't even, I can't even remember off the top of my head if that was even fathomable last year, even when Schmidt got suspended because they were on the road a lot to start that 20 game stretch. So going three and four at home almost seems blasphemous to me. That's the part where I would go, why in the world are you losing at home? Your schedule is more favored to you being at home in this first month, in October, because you have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games at home. You had six on the road, and you are three and three. You have a better record on the road at this moment than you do at home. While that might be beneficial later on down the road, that's not a good look right now, especially if you have one of the best home crowds in the league and you have dominated at home for the better part of two years. 
Vegas cannot lose to Anaheim, or I'm telling you, people will start to lose their freaking minds. I don't think I would yet, because I still believe that once you insert those two aforementioned guys who are going to ignite a spark into that team, and will kind of stabilize the blue line, and hopefully to God, stabilize the third line, once those guys get back, you'd like to think that everything will be fine. Right now, I'm a little concerned, but not too concerned. But I am concerned at the fact that they're not scoring. They have, I mean, let me, let me do the math real quick. Five, ten, we'll round it up to six. Nine point five, seven, six and a half. We're looking at 23... Plus 11, 16. We're looking at $39 million dedicated to this top six, and they've only scored, registered two goals at five on five in the last five games. That's not a good look. Vegas cannot be in the power play all freaking night, especially when they're the ones committing the penalties every freaking night. Vegas is leading the league in penalty minutes right now. Like, that's another issue that I don't think we've talked about a lot. They are taking so many dumb penalties, and especially it's penalties in the, in the attacking zone where they're just getting beat by everybody coming their way. Like, Vegas needs to stop kill, taking the penalties. They need to stop committing penalties. I mean, what? They had a shorthand, they had a power play goal tonight, or they had a power play goal given up tonight. Uh, from Kadri, and then Calvert scored shorthanded, but that goal was more so Sparks' fault because he totally did not see the puck fired from the from behind the net. But, I mean, the, the penalties are just bad. I mean, somehow Colorado had more penalty minutes than Vegas on this game, but that, that's that been a problem too. That has absolutely been a problem that Vegas, the more we talk about it, the more it's going to annoy Gerard Gallant. I mean, it was asked to him earlier today, about the penalties, and he basically was like, "Ah, well, it happens. Well, it happens, but shouldn't be happening this much. I mean, what do you do if you're Vegas? At least right now in the short term. The fact that you're 7-5 and five is a lot better than where you were at 8-11-1, but, man, it's alarming. It is alarming to see just how, la- I won't say lackadaisical, because I don't see any lack of effort on anybody's part, but they just got to play better. And and the fact is, is that they know it. They know they need to play better. But knowing they need to play better and actually going out and playing better are two different things. So hopefully Vegas can figure it out at some point and they need to figure it out on Sunday against Anaheim because Anaheim is coming in on a really, a really great start. I mean, let's take a look at the Ducks real quick while I have it up here. Obviously, Anaheim's kind of dwindled down a little bit, but they're 6-5. and five. They have 12 points. Um, they're looking good. They've, they've looked really good to start this season. And I know I said I probably wouldn't talk about Anaheim, but, I mean, you look at the team and how they are currently constructed. I mean, they... They're a team that was probably going to be stuck in a rebuild and eventually kind of build their way out of it. But six and five, they're off to a good start. And it's the usual guys up top. I mean, Raquel's got seven points. Getzlov's got five. Uh, Silverberg's had leading them with eight points. Adam Henrique was on a really ridiculous point streak earlier. He's at six. 
So they're getting balance from everybody um, right now when it comes to the scoring department. The goaltending, I mean, it's hard to find a tough, better goalie tandem right now outside of Buffalo. Gibson is, you know, four and five right now, but he's still got a 927 save percentage and his GAA is still 2.22, which is ridiculous. And then Ryan Miller is 2-0, and and he's got a 9-19 save percentage and a 2.14 GAA. So that they're playing great right now. And if Miller doesn't go on Saturday and ends up going on Sunday against Vegas, I wouldn't be shocked, considering Vegas' inability to score lately, that they would throw Ryan Miller out, and he would probably play very well. I mean, we're still stuck on the fact that Anders Nielsen made 53 what, 52 saves the other week? I mean, I'm still stuck on that. Anders Nielsen is making all these ridiculous saves. So I guess maybe at this point, it doesn't matter who Anaheim throws out there because Vegas needs to prove to everyone that they can score on any goalie, which they should have the ability to do. And right now they're not doing it. So they've got to come out and play better against Anaheim, which is a five o'clock puck drop on Sunday. Um, we will be back to talk about that game on Monday. Obviously this one, I think is just going to, this is just going to hold us over until Sunday because it's really going to be the same things we're going to be talking about how Vegas has continued to struggle and they just got to get going. They've got to figure something out. And realistically this game on Sunday against an Anaheim team, that's been a little, a little off to a hot start, but now it's kind of swindled down a little bit. They got to win this game. Because the division games are most important in the standings, and they need to win this game. Otherwise, I think people are going to start jumping off of buildings or something. Because it's going to, it's going to get ugly. It's it's going to get ugly if they lose this game and go three and four at home in their first seven. That is, I don't think that's been talked about enough. And I think we'll touch on that if they do lose on Sunday. So that's going to do it for us, guys. I know this again. This is a little bit of a late episode, but hopefully. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Again, uh, leave your comments uh, on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can tweet at me at DannyWebster21. Let me know if I'm being a little bit facetious about this whole situation or if I'm just uh, – or if I'm right there along with you. You know, we'll, we'll have a kumbaya moment. We'll all come together. So we'll be back Monday to talk about the Anaheim game, and then we'll break it down from there and talk about Montreal, and we'll try and do a mailbag next week as well. Maybe we'll get a guest or two. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So – Thank you guys for listening. Have a good weekend. We'll see you back on Monday. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and the music will play us out. Have a good one, guys. Mm-hmm.